What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Bye Bye Conversations. I'm Luis. And I'm Ria. And we are your conversations for today. Yay! Yay! So we are now on our fifth episode. Can you believe it, Luis? You've actually reached five, five episodes. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so for in com- in commemoration of the fifth episode. Um, we are going to talk about, as our title suggests, paglaban. Even without the pandemic or the current situation that we are in, we all have our own battles. And it could come from as simple as deciding what to wear, whether this or that, into major life decisions. Or like when you, when you have um, certain illnesses that you are battling inside yourself, that's a form of uh, struggle too. So. Um, for this particular episode, this is very special, not only because the guest is very special to us, um, your favorite podcasters, she has a very special story to tell. So with that, we are going to welcome our dear friend and classmate, Rasha Egmalis. I don't know where to put my hands. Welcome to Bye Bye and Conversations, Russia. Hi. Thank you for having me today. We're so glad to have you. So welcome to the podcast. And um, so first of all, um, just to let everyone know, as I mentioned earlier, Russia is our college classmate and she is a dear friend to us. And she has given the biggest, um, opportunity to have her on our show. To start off your story, Rasha, we would like to know what it is that you are struggling with or what is your paglaban. Okay, so I'm actually a lupus patient. I was diagnosed with systemic lupus erythematosus last 2016. And I know a lot of people don't know what that is, but that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. So, can, so yeah, as you mentioned, it's not very known, well known to the public. To give us um, a general insight as to what lupus is. Okay, so lupus or SLE is systemic lupus erythematosus. It's an autoimmune disease, which is a kind of disease where your immune system attacks itself and it can target any of your vital organs and cause inflammation. So in my case, it affected my kidneys and I have what they call lupus necritis. Um, It's a disease that's been around for a while, although the cause and the cure for it is still being investigated. So they consider genetics, environment, and even hormones to be risk, risk factors. But it is significant to note that most of the patients um, who are affected with this are women. And unfortunately, it doesn't have a cure. So it's a lifelong medical condition that can be managed through treatments. And that just means that it's something that patients like me have to learn to deal with or to live with, I should say. Um, And it has its challenges. I think that living with disease, any disease has its complications and its challenges. So for lupus, um, patients undergo flares. 
So these are periods when the disease is active and the symptoms start manifesting. And the main symptoms that I have had to deal with is probably are chronic pain, chronic fatigue. Uh, we have the butterfly rash that I also had to deal with. I've been getting migraines as a result of my condition. Uh, arthritis in my 20s. Uh, for me, I have a condition called proteinuria, which is protein leaking into the urine because my kidneys aren't filtering properly. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety last year and a number of other things. So it really depends on the patient. So not every single patient gets affected by this in the same way. Um, I've been on medical treatments for about four years now just to basically keep my immune system under control, which allows me to live a relatively normal life. Um, so, Russia, you, you've mentioned a couple of, of the things that you're struggling with, your, struggle, your, your struggles. So can you give us like um, a background or, or um, a quick rundown of how it all started, your diagnosis story? Oh, okay. Well, I was diagnosed in 2016, and at the time I was working as a high school English teacher. And at first, I just started feeling sickly, like I was always tired. Then I started having body pains and then joint pains. And then um, the weeks following that, I just started really getting sick, like low-grade fevers. I had UTI. I had rhinitis. My hair started falling. And then there were some cuts in my mouth, which I found out later were mouth sores. So this is pretty much happening at the same time over a course of four months. So I was seeing doctor after doctor trying to figure out what was happening because I wasn't getting better. If anything, I was getting worse as time went along. And uh, a lot of my symptoms, when they put them together, it didn't make a lot of sense. Like I was having rheumatoid arthritis in my 20s, which doesn't make sense. And then when they did the test, some of my organs were inflamed. And I was very, very weak at that point and very fatigued, but I wasn't working. I was practically at home the whole time. So every doctor I went to, they basically ran tests to try to figure out um, the things it could possibly be. And it was and what it was not. And eventually I was recommended or referred to a kidney doctor. So I met my nephrologist for the first time and we looked into why my kidneys were inflamed and we ran down my medical history. We considered all of the things that the other doctors were saying and she kind of put it together. And one of the biggest clues that led to my diagnosis was the malar rash, or what they call the butterfly rash. It was on my forehead and on my nose. After the suspicion that it could be lupus, I was referred to another doctor, my current rheumatologist. So I had to take a test to determine if it was lupus. And then I was officially diagnosed on September 14, 2016. After after the diagnosis, how has it affected your life in terms of your work, in terms of, um, you mentioned that you had anxiety. So um, how did, how was your mental health affected as well by your diagnosis? 
practice? It's changed my life drastically, obviously. I've had to learn to live with something that nobody could really prepare you for. Like nobody ever warned me that this is what you should do if ever you get a lifelong medical condition. But I had to learn how to become a patient and I'm still learning. There's still a lot of things that I'm not used to and that my body's had to get used to, like um, the constant checkups or being on medicines every day and then having to adjust my lifestyle, so to speak, and my mindset, like everything now, everything that I have to do, every decision I make, I have to consider my health and like if I would be able to actually do it because of my medical condition. Um, I've had to deal with a lot of side effects um, and a lot of uh, changes to my body. So like I live with a lot more pain than I used to because chronic pain and chronic fatigue is part of my condition. Um, I guess I'm more conscious of everything that I put into my body and then I'm more aware of how my body reacts to certain things. Whereas in the past, if something went wrong, it's, it was not so much of a concern. <laughs> but now if something goes wrong, I have to consider like, is this part of my condition or is this just my body acting up? Um, so there's a lot of things to figure out. I feel like I'm still not confident that I know everything that there is to know about my disease. I'm still trying to learn how to be a lupus patient, so to speak. Um, during the pandemic, it's been an even bigger challenge because, as you mentioned, I did deal with um, mental health issues as a result of my condition. And even before the pandemic actually hit, I was um, diagnosed with anxiety because living with a medical condition and knowing that you're going to have struggles and knowing that you're going to face challenges, it does get to your head. So last year, I was under a lot of stress, a lot of changes in my life. And um, I think what affected me a lot was the death of another lupus patient. And like, I started to think like if she could have died from her disease and she was very strong from everything I've heard about her. And everything I've read about her, she was a very strong uh, patient. And her passing kind of made me think, like, if she didn't survive, like, what are the chances that I'm actually going to survive? So I did have a panic attack. That was my first ever panic attack. Um, and it was scary, but, like, it made me more aware that I can't just ignore these things as physical as a physical illness, it, it also affects pretty much every aspect of my life. And uh, my condition in particular is systemic. So it's it, it affects the entire body system. It's not just my kidneys. It can also progress to other, other vital organs and it can also progress to other conditions. So in my case, anxiety kind of piggybacked on my current condition. But the pandemic was something else. It was, um, it was, again, something that nobody was really expecting to snowball into this big thing. Or at least for me, when I first heard of the virus, I never thought that it would um, change the world so much, right? And I think uh, as a patient, it was 
particularly nerve-wracking because I'm immunocompromised in the sense that I'm on immunosuppressants, so the medicines that I actually take uh, lessens the effect, I mean lessens my immune system from actually fighting viruses. So aside from that, I know that my immune system is messed up, so it doesn't respond in the typical manner. So if I were to get a virus that nobody really knows about, I don't think they would be able to treat it the same way they would in a healthy individual. So um, those made it really scary for me, like starting off this year, um, knowing that there was a virus out there. Um, the greatest concern that I had to deal with was how I was going to continue with my treatments because I needed to see my doctors constantly. I needed to be able to get hold of my medications. And the lockdowns meant that it was harder for me to do all of that. Uh, on top of that, my rheumatologist is a senior citizen, so <laughs> and he's retired. So the only way I was able to consult with him was over the phone. Um, my nephrologist and my psychiatrist, I couldn't see them until some of the quarantine restrictions were lifted. and. So it was a lot of staying at home, hoping for the best. Like, I really didn't want to be anywhere near the hospital in the middle of this entire crisis. Um, but yeah, it was it was hard. Uh, I think another issue that I dealt with was trying to get hold of my medicines. I'm on hydroxychloroquine, and I have been for the past four years. So when the news that hydroxychloroquine was a possible COVID-19 treatment, uh, I didn't really know what to think because there was a lot of speculation around that drug in particular, and there didn't seem to be any definitive data on what it actually meant, If, if especially for, for a patient like me. I didn't know if that meant I was less susceptible to the, the disease. The virus still essentially a mystery. There wasn't enough information to draw any conclusions. So um, I didn't find much comfort in the fact that my medicine was being touted as a possible treatment. What it did do was make it harder for me to actually get my medicines because hydroxychloroquine has always been a drug that's kind of hard to um, get in the first place. And there was news that the stocks of hydroxychloroquine was uh, depleted because they were using it in the hospitals to treat the COVID-19 patients. So there was the real threat that I wouldn't be able to get my medicines, which was scary because I've never been off them ever since I was a patient. And I don't know what the effects would be if I was suddenly cut off. And thankfully, I was able to get through those few months without having to stop any of my medications. Ria mentioned on the first um, part of the of this episode that everyone is having their own battles. And hearing your story, um, your your battle, your fight is way different from ours. So um, we admire your courage that you're still continuing to fight. We admire your bravery. Even though despite all, all all of this, you're still continuing with, with a fight, with a smile on your face. Thank you. So from from this, is there anything that you could share, like lessons or insights 
from 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 your fight to everyone in general okay well i guess the biggest lesson i've learned from living with a disease is how to fight because it's strange to think that before my diagnosis i didn't really have anyone or anything to fight against and now i'm in constant conflict with myself because of my condition and <laughs> it's not in the poetic sense it's more like i'm fighting with my body um, because it's my own immune system that's ultimately causing me problems. Um, I've seen my body drastically change since my condition, and I've had to adjust to all of these. I've had to make a lot of um, changes, and it's affected a lot of my decisions and a lot of the way that I see the future, because I, I kind of planned my life to be <laughs> different, I guess, before my diagnosis, and that didn't happen because of it. On the other side, I think that I've definitely grown as a person because I've had to deal with um, all of these things. So it's a humbling experience, actually. It's taught me that I do need help sometimes. And I have to admit that, that like, especially when I first got diagnosed, I had to admit that I needed support because I didn't know what I was dealing with or how to deal with it. I just knew that I couldn't do it by myself. Even if, like before this, I've always been pretty independent and off in my own little world. Um, it's op This experience has opened me up to people. It made me realize that we need each other. And I needed my community more than ever when I was first battling this. Um, and what drives me to talk about it is the same notion that um, as much as I needed other people, I'm sure other people would benefit from what I've learned as well, right? So I'm fighting an invisible illness that I know hardly anything about, but discussing it with other people, even if they don't know anything about it, it makes me feel less alone, I guess. It's like I'm not the only one battling this, and I want other people to know who are also fighting similar battles that they are not alone either so yeah um also like i've come close to death on several occasions because of my disease uh, i've been hospitalized several times and there's never that guarantee that you're actually going to get out of it so living through all of those experiences made me realize that i actually do want to survive <laughs> because sometimes it feels like it's easier to just give up and to give in to my illness, especially those days when I'm in pain because of it. But I think about all of those who are rooting for me. I think about all of the things that I'm meant to do and how much more I'm meant to give. And I know that I have to keep fighting on because of all of those things. I know that I feel like with each battle that I get through because of lupus, I have to share what I've done to survive or the benefit of everyone else who's had to struggle with this or similar issues um, just to feel like, you know, there has to be some sort of point <laughs> to all of this, that I'm not fighting this alone. So, yeah, I'm still actually learning how to manage my condition and try to take control of my health so that it doesn't completely take over my life. Um, I've learned to fight harder for everything I claimed that I wanted to achieve. 
Uh, I talked to Ria a few weeks ago, I think recently, about our future aspirations. You remember that talk? Yeah. And <laughs> about some of the pressures uh, to lead a successful, so to speak, successful mm-hmm. life. And I really thought about that. And like, I realize now that having a medical condition and knowing how difficult it could be, I'm stepping into the future with this mindset that I have to fight even harder. Like I have to be strong enough to deal with all of the complications my doctors warned me about. Um, And I have to accept that these are things that I have to live with as a lupus patient until they actually find a cure to my disease. So um, as I have known Russia being one of or as she is one of my closest friends and one of my confidants, I've known her really to be an independent person. Even when we were in college, like she would just juggle jobs while while studying at the same time. Like she wouldn't be the one to like lounge around like she always has to do something so um when she found out or when i found out about her diagnosis and she shared it with the public um as as someone who has seen her then and as someone who is seeing her go through all these things it's so inspiring to like strive on your own not because someone has had it worse but because if someone can struggle in that kind of a battle, what makes you think that you can't? So instead of like um, comparing you negatively to others, it should um, the mindset should be like it's it's a unique battle to each and everyone. But we are all um, given the same amount of time, and we are all born with our unique um, capabilities and talents, and we have to use that. We have to maximize what we have in order to like go through or go beyond or um, um, overcome our struggles in life. And I think one of my takeaways from your lessons was that the importance of a support system, because um, whether you're struggling or not, whether you have a physical illness or not, it's very important to have someone who's just there, whether to listen to, or someone who can extend their help to you. And I think that's more important, especially now where where we're all, where we are all cooked up in our homes. And practically the only way that we can get in contact with each other is through the internet or through our uh, mobile devices or our gadgets in general. Now more than ever, we need our support system in order to uh, make it through the daily lives that we have. I think it has helped you a lot from what I heard from your um, lessons is that um, it helped you a lot in realizing that you are not alone in the battle that you are going through and not just in a community of people who have the same illness as you, but people who are there for you whenever you need them. And I think that's very important. I'm actually glad you said that because it's it's very true. Um, it gets hard. There are some days that are harder than others. But uh, if this year has taught me anything, it's um, basically to focus on the things that are actually important. Because I've, there are so many times that I start worrying about the little things and 
exactly what you said, being cooped up at home and like having to work from home, it just makes it made me realize, I should say, that um, I should reach out more to people because, as you mentioned, it, it greatly affects the mental health and dealing with anything, with as any kind of um, problem when you're doing it by yourself and there's this notion that doing it by yourself makes you a stronger person. And I definitely believed in that before I got my diagnosis. But when I got my diagnosis, I realized that this is much bigger than me. And I had to admit that I needed um, the support. And like you said, and what surprised me was that um, some of the people who came forward and tried to help me out, I've never really talked to much before. And the only thing that I really had that caught their attention was my story, was the willingness to move on despite having to deal with all of this. Because I know that for a lot of people, it's hard to comprehend what it feels like to live with something like this, with, with being told that you're going to be struggling with this for the rest of your life. It's It's not an easy thing to digest, actually. I still constantly um, have to try to figure out how to accept my condition, and it's been four years. So definitely, it's a battle, and it's a battle that um, is cyclic, I guess you can say. Like, some days it's easy to pretend that I'm not actually sick because I don't look sick, but there are times where I definitely struggle, and I definitely do reach out to people who... Uh, constantly remind me that they are there um, for support. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys for also giving me the opportunity to share. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you, Rasha, for trusting us, for sharing your inspiring story, um, for for sharing your your battle with us. And I hope um, everyone who will be watching, who will be listening to this, will be inspired and will will know to fight and to continue their, their own battles. Um, yeah, for having me. So, on behalf of the Bye Bye In Conversations group, which is composed of two people, <laughs> we would like to thank you for um, joining us in this very inspiring conversation and as what Louise said I hope that this brings in not only information in terms of the disease but also inspiration in um, facing whatever someone is going through right now and having someone to be there for them in that particular battle and learning how to reach out to other people because um, I think it's important for everyone to learn that um, as long as you have the courage to reach out, uh, a hand will extend itself to you. So again, thank you. And um, is there anything that you would like to like share to the public how they can reach you. Do you have any social media going on? And um, share it to us. <laughs> okay. First of all, 
thank you again for having me and for helping me share my story as well as always encouraging me and being with me in this journey. Um, actually, October is Lupus Awareness Month in the UK. <laughs> when we celebrate it here, here in the Philippines, we, we celebrate Lupus Awareness in May. But it's Lupus Awareness Month somewhere, so I do appreciate the opportunity to spread insight and awareness about my disease. I know a lot of people still look at it with question marks, and that's okay. If you are interested in learning more about lupus, you can actually follow my social media where I write and I speak about my experiences as a lupus patient and some of the challenges I've faced because of it. I'm on Facebook and on YouTube as lupus underscore Lilo. I'm also on Instagram as Russia underscore Lilo. And the point of me sharing and oversharing about lupus is to open a dialogue about disease and enlighten people about some of the aspects of it that we don't necessarily discuss. So if you learned something from my little talk, um, you should go check it out. And thank you again so much for listening to me and for allowing me to be here. So we will be putting um, Russia's um, links, the links to Russia's um, accounts on the description below. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to her, you can follow her, you can shoot her a message. So there you have it. Um, thank you for sticking with us and we'll be moving forward to the most exciting part of every episode <laughs> and Ria will be doing our language trivia for today. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so today we talked about lupus and fun fact about the word lupus, it's actually a Latin word to mean wolf because it's called lupus to mean wolf which is um, analogous to devouring other parts of the body. So, speaking of Latin, we can now move into the main topic of our language trivia, which is the Latin language. So, Latin language is one of the oldest languages in the world, and it is the current language of medicine and law. So, you will find a lot of Latin words in the when you if you are taking law or if you are taking medicine, um, some diseases are named after Latin words. Um, like there are a lot of Latin words in the in the in the law and like the whatever codes there may be. I'm not I'm not a law student, so I'm so sorry. But um, another thing that you should know about Latin is that it's already a dead language. So a dead language is a language that doesn't evolve. It can no longer, um, words can no longer be added to them. The native speakers are, um, are already dead. So there was no new growth of the language. There was no evolution of the language. And Latin is actually like the mother language of most of the languages that we know today. Some of the famous ones are English, Spanish, um, French, Italian, Portuguese, and other European languages. Um, two types of the Latin language were used by the masses and the education and educators and scholars. So there's what we call the classical Latin, which was spoken in 
the language of education back then. And it was the vulgar Latin, which was spoken by the general public and is actually where the language that we know of came from. So the English, the French, the Spanish, and so on actually came from vulgar Latin. And finally, about the Latin language, unlike the old languages like Hebrew and Arabic, the Latin language is written from left to right, unlike the ones that I previously mentioned, which are written from right to left. So there you have it, Latin as our language trivia for today. Russia, do you have anything to share since I mentioned a bit about lupus? Um, yes, actually, uh, to add on to what you said about lupus, it's the word lupus is actually attributed to a 13th century physician. And uh, back then, they used it to describe the butterfly rash or the malar rash, which is one of the telltale signs of lupus. Now, lupus is a complicated disease to actually diagnose because it has a lot of overlaps with a lot of other diseases, and you can only really diagnose it if you put all of the symptoms together. But the butterfly rash is one of the distinct um, lupus symptoms. It's basically a rash that comes up on the apples of your cheeks right here and it looks like a butterfly um, and it's supposed to be red it doesn't actually itch it's more of discoloration so when I first got mine it was it was not a typical butterfly rash or malar rash it was here on my forehead but anyway um, back then since they didn't know what it was exactly they described it as looking like um, somebody had been attacked by a wolf. So that's where the name lupus came from because they thought that it looked like a wolf bite or a wolf scratch. That's it. Fun fact. Our language trivia for today is brought to you by Ria and Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that is the end of our conversation for today. So once again, we are um, more than welcome to have you join us in our um, little group. So you may follow us on our Facebook account. We have a YouTube account. You can also listen to us on Spotify or Anchor, whichever you prefer. So don't forget to check us out um, by buying conversations. That's by buying space Conver. And then sessions, S-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. Uh, so thank you, Rasha, for joining us, for, for sharing information and inspiration. And that's the end for our conversation for today. And with that, I am Louise. I'm Ria. And I'm Rasha. And we'll see you next time. Bye.